New Testament, chapter 5. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 20. Follow along with the readers. And they came over to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. He ran and worshiped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure you, I adjure thee by most high God. I adjure thee that thou hast torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Speak. And he asked him, what is thy name? Lord Jesus. My name is Legion, <laughs> for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went off. And he entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 of them, and they were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and said it, in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Go ahead. And they saw it told to them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray to him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he, had that been, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed with him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath done compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you all. For the rest of my life, I'll serve the Lord in everything. I do and say, I want to glorify 
Terry sang that song in my childhood, and that, that was in my spirit to sing. And if it didn't do nothing for you, I promise you it did something for me. Well, we've had the readers read, and I, I'm going to go ahead and try to knock this out for you. The book of Mark provides the basis on which the other two synoptic gospels were written. Matthew and Luke use much of Mark's testimony to compile their own texts. We often hear people ask the question, and some of you have asked the question as well, why do we have three Gospels? Why are these Gospels telling us the same thing? Well, each Gospel has a different function and gives a different perspective of the same story. And each account offers new details and a clearer picture of the same event. But they all do one thing. They exclaim, and this is just this is the Baptist preacher part of me, the life, ministry, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our current story seems to fall in line with the Markian line of writing. Mark does not attempt to conceal his image of who Jesus was. He begins this entire book by stating the beginning, the good news of Jesus, Messiah, Son of God. Mark unfolds the story to the reader rather than just making blanket statements about Jesus' divinity. I want to teach you something before I preach. 
No one knows specifically who penned the book of Mark, but there are a few scholars who suggest that it was in fact John Mark, a companion of Paul. We hear talked about much throughout the New Testament. Others would state that it was Mark the Evangelist. And really, at the end of the day, it really doesn't make a difference to us who wrote the book. The fact is, it's in the book. And what is clear is that this text paints a vivid picture of Jesus as the Christ, as the anointed one, son of God, one with a special relationship with God, and finally, son of man or human, one who encounters persecution. That is, Jesus was like you. Y'all don't hear me in here. She's in the spirit. Jesus was like you. He experienced life. He experienced pitfalls. He experienced persecutions and toils and trials just like us. All right. Enough of New Testament 101. Let's move into the text. Today's text finds Jesus inside the town of Garrison, a small community in what is modernly known as Jerash, possibly was formerly known as Gadara, situated on the southeast end of the Galilean Sea. And if you don't mind today with your imaginary eyes and your filtering, um, some of y'all in here got on some Bluetooth, um, I want y'all to join me as we take this trek. We're going to be a part of a constantly mobile Jewish delegation who not long ago encountered Jesus on a tempestuous storm. A storm would not normally make headlines, but this storm was rough. The sea tossed our ship like a rag doll in the hands of children. The waves beat against the cedar hull, which was excuse me, with such force that our thoughts even became discombobulated. However, we survived that storm because Jesus was awakened by one of us. You know the story. Jesus was sleeping, chilling on the bottom of a ship. And people got alarmed because the winds and the waves began to beat against the ship. And because of their lack of faith, they woke him up. Betty Ray, they said, get up. It's getting bad out here. We know we've been walking with you. We've been, we've been going with you, but it's getting bad out here. And you didn't tell us about no storms, you know. We understood that you would heal and you would work miracles, but you didn't tell us about no storms. And because you didn't let us know about no storms, we're going to ask that you would get up. You know, I don't know what you're going to do, but we want you to get up. So they were, they were shaken. They were frightened. They were afraid. Naturally, bird. But Jesus gets up, quickly dismisses the storm and the winds, and puts them back to sleep. And that's who they are. They really don't serve any purpose. They don't get any name recognition, Lisa. They just are part of the names they. Say with me, they. They, 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 they. They're, they're not asking for any direct name calling, no shout outs, no expectations of a love offering. They're just glad to be rolling with Christ and being able to be called they. We hold no titles, no special distinctions, Terry. We don't get no preaching Grammys or earn token, tokens towards heaven. We are simply they. And if I could for just a brief moment parenthetically park at the pews of New Mission, quit getting upset when your name is not called and you don't get kudos. If, if what you're doing is really for Christ, you should not need any external stimuli or public adoration or anybody to fan your flame. God gets the glory, and that should be the end of it. And I know how easy that sounds because when you work for something, you've been working the doorposts. You've been, you've been bringing pastor his water and, and wiping people's feet. I, I understand all of that, but, but understand this. If we are really in this thing for Christ, then Christ is really the person who will give you your reward. 
but we struggle with that. We struggle with that. And if I can knock back into the text, you know, we, Jesus was going into a Gentile nation, uh, unsafe territory. And this was not an easy feat, but as we stepped onto that soggy shore, we smelled the stale air of this place mixed with the salty breeze of the Sea of Galilee. We did not have a chance to discuss what happened on the ship because as soon as we stepped foot on the soil, we heard a high voice shrieking at us. And we was nervous. Y'all know we was nervous. And sometimes you get nervous when folks start hollering. When you, you walk inside the church and hear Sister Harper hit a howl like, ah! You know, it, it knocks, it does something, it dishevels you, makes you nervous because that's what you're not used to. But if you understand the story behind the shout, or if you understand the story behind the shriek, it makes the shout actually have a point. And that's what happens. We're, we're, we're listening to this guy screaming, even those who were asleep. That's how loud it was, y'all. They could hear him scream. And we saw in the distance a figure like that of a man speedily making its way towards us. We were disturbed. We, we were wondering, like, what is this dude up to? For real, for real, bro. What, what's what's going to go down? Are we going to have to knock somebody out for Jesus? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to be honest. You know, you don't want nobody to knock the Savior out because that won't make it to the book. Um, not sure what to expect. We were Jews in this place, in a place that was less than friendly to us. This man was disturbed, and the closer he got to us, the more frantic we could see him. His eyes were swollen and sullen. His clothes were ragged, Lynetta, torn and soiled from living life amongst the town's dead. Yes, we smelled the fumes of the remains of his person. We smelled the stink of rotting corpses. The scent burned the hairs of our nostrils. And like many of you, some began to talk. Others began to snicker from the choir stand. A few even began to laugh. We did not know his situation, nor did we understand his story. We simply could see the man in the present. Isn't that like many of us to judge a book before even open it? Yes, we lived among Christ and even knew his power, but this man was horrific to the eyes, preachers. He was deadly to the nostrils and clearly a mystery to our minds. Often in this Christian race, we are confronted with people who will not look like us. They won't smell like us. They won't even think like us. They will be a marked difference from us. And the, the modern church has become so enamored with style. Everybody trying to look the part, but nobody's willing to be the part. Jesus was not disturbed at his lack of tact, Jesus, nor was Jesus distracted by his hollering. Jesus was after the substance of his soul, the issue, and that's the call of the church. We have to do more than simply preach sermons for the Tickle Me Elmo crowd. Our message has to be for the disaffected. Our messages have to be for the molested, those who were abused, and those who are now confused. Preachers, if your sermon cater just to those who are power brokers within these walls, and you neglect those who are on the outside, it's hogwash. It's human excrement. It's rubbish. Need I say more? It's a waste of time for us and God to have to sit and listen to ramblings that have nothing to do with the kingdom. And I said all that to say this, and y'all see me reading from this, but um, let me step away just for a moment. I, I, even in New Mission, and I, I'm, if y'all don't mind, just allow me a moment of transparency. I would sit in here on Youth and Young Adult Sunday or whenever I sang in the choir, and I would watch that door to figure out who finna come in here looking funky, who about to come in here looking crazy. And now I realize... I don't know their story. Can I be transparent in here? You don't know nobody's story. 
You don't know where God brought them from. You don't know what they had to do to get here. Oftentimes, we see the after effects of people. We see what happens after they've gone through a storm. And if you're not privy to who they were before the storm, you won't make much sense of who they are now. That's the tragedy, not just of New Mission, but of every church. That we're struggling with making sense of people who are not like us. People who, when they sit next to you, you can smell last night's liquor. When they walk in, you can smell the cush all over them. The church is being called to do a new thing. The church is being called to deal with those people. I'm not talking about sending them to a Sunday school class. I'm talking about dealing with them right where they are. The youth of today are, 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 are struggling. Young Christians are. And the church is losing them. Because you want them to act one way in here and be a whole nother way outside. But if we can be real about it, why change when you get into the building? If you're saved, like you say you are, then it should show up inside or outside. And just what if I got a minister to somebody? Me and me and Rodney, we were at Chipotle in, um, what is that, Norwood, this uh, past Thursday. And we were sitting there talking about some church things, and a guy walked up and was saying, you look familiar. I'm looking at him like, I know I don't know you. I mean, you might know Rodney. You don't, definitely don't know me. And he was like, well, yeah, it looked like I grew up with you. And I'm saying, he got to be talking to Rodney. Because you definitely ain't grow, with me, grow up with me. So I kind of walked away. But I saw Rodney sit there and talk to the man, even though he knew that he, it wasn't, he wasn't sure if he actually knew the man. But he sat there and talked to the man. And as I came down and I sat down, I watched his example. He, he was talking to the man about growing up. Well, did you grow up? What high school did you go to? Well, I went to Aiken. Oh, well, I don't know if I went over there. But his conversation didn't end at do I know you. And see, as a witness, when, you, when it's really about being a Christian, it has to be more than lip service, y'all. We sat there and talked to the man, and it would have been another thing to say, okay, man, you take care of God bless you, because you know, we all good at saying that, right? God bless you. What really does that mean? What really are you saying to me? What are you really saying to me? Are you saying goodbye? Are you asking me to walk away? What are you saying to me? So the man said, well, you know, um, I, need to, I need some money to get my, uh, I think he said, uh, um, Insulin. There it is. Thank you. He needed to get some insulin. And I'm sitting there like, well, I think he's, I, I don't know how much he asked for. And I didn't have any cash on me. Rodney didn't think long. He went into his pocket and he gave the man, if I'm not wrong, a $5 bill. No, he said he needed $8. Rodney gave him a $5 bill. He said, man, this should help you along the way. And he said, the man said, well, man, what's your number? Can I get your number so I can call you back? Rodney said, nah, man, nah, man. When you see somebody in a similar situation to you. Just pay it forward. And the man stayed there and he was, Lynetta, he was, he, was, he was confused. He said, what do you mean by pay it forward? Nobody had said to him when they had given him something before, pay it forward. Because they always expected to get something back. But real ministry means that I'll give it to you and I don't care if I ever get it back. Real ministry, listen, listen, listen. Real ministry means even if you're going to go across the street and get some alcohol, I gave it to you. It don't matter to me what happens to it. And that's really what's going on inside this text, y'all. Jesus is not looking at the outward appearance of this man. 
He understands that the man sounds a little crazy. The man is going through some mental stuff. Jesus is more after what the problem is. And if the church is going to be the church, we got to be after the problem in an effort to fix the solution. This means ministering to stinky, blinky, winky, and even those who get freaky. Jesus did not allow any limitations to stop. Y'all do know I'm going to California, so I don't care if you say anything after I preach this message. I'm just letting you know that now. Um, Jesus did not allow any limitations to stop his quest for salvation. And change often brings with it growing pains. The church was never meant to house perfect people. No, no, no. The church, and I don't care how, how much you suspect that you got it all together, don't start turning your nose up there, folks. Don't ever get to the place where you think you got it all together. We are in the perfection process. But many of us have grown accustomed to taking towels and never picking up towels. Taking titles, excuse me, and never picking up towels. Jesus in this text deals with the man's issue. He is demon-possessed. He could have looked at the fact that he was in hostile territory, a Gentile nation, and refused to perform a divine function on the man. He could have taken diplomatic immunity, if you will. He could have ignored the fact. He said, you know what? I'm on vacation. You know, holler at me when I get back. Send, I'll send you a check in the mail. But Mark seems to say that Jesus says, I'm going to deal with this issue right here. Ain't no need to put this off or, or to ignore what's going on in your life and, you know, send you a prayer cloth in the mail, you know, and, you know, or some anointing oil, you know. Uh, or, you know, how about you seed into my ministry? And I'll pray for you. No, we have to deal with the issues right now. Our charge is to deal with these people right now. People are hurting. People are broken. People are sick. And simply saying you're going to pray for somebody ain't going to cut it. I understand this. I understand we're in a recession. God ain't. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, I, I started counting and I quit after about 50. So God is still able to do, this, do these things, Tyrell. And here we are again with this whole thing about pushing it off. And I wrestle with this part of the text. I'm fat, so I'm up here getting hot. Um, I wrestle with this part of the text. Thank you. I wrestle with this part of the text. Because I said, well, Jesus, there was a man who was lame who sat on the side of the road for all these years. And he never, Bert, dealt with that man's issue. He never dealt with that man's issue. He had to see this man coming in and out of the temple, seeing this man on the mat. Now, after he dies, the man gets healed. You, you know the text. Silver and gold have I none. But such as we have, we, we give. But this, this, this particular person, Jesus is on a visitation. Jesus is, he just got off the boat. He's tired. And the man comes screaming, comes out of a cemetery. He had been chained up. And this made me think about the healthcare conversation we were having. I think that's me. The healthcare conversation we had been having in this nation. Jesus, that's all he was, was a medicine man. Jesus dealt with the health issues of the people. All the miracles that you look at, they were dealing with people who were dealing with some illnesses. The church has to deal with sick people. The church is charged with dealing with sick people. This, man's come, this man comes to Jesus and says, what would you have to do with me, Jesus? 
Son of the Most High God, I adjure you by God. Do not torment me. And the first statement, if you read it clearly, y'all, comes from a man. The second seems to resonate from another place. Jesus did not lose his posture. His swag was on swole, seemingly content with the unkept nature of this man. Jesus simply said, come out of this man. You unclean spirit. In that moment, something left this man that had plagued his life deeply. And like many of us, he had been living with this malady. It had caused a separation between this man and his family. He had been put away, ignored. He didn't get any calls for Christmas dinner. He didn't get any calls to come and chill and let's play the Xbox or let's just go out to BW3s. Nobody called him. He was left there in isolation. And somebody in here understands what I'm talking about. Somebody in here has been set aside. You've been ostracized. You've been put in the back. But that's not how God works. God doesn't work on no class system. God doesn't function on that way. That's us. That's something we've done. That's something we got to the place. And I get so tired, and Rodney brought it up, and I thought about it. When you go to churches and they do the offering, Amiel, and they say, well, I got $100 here. I'm starting off the thing. You don't know where I start at. Maybe I started at $5, and now you making me feel like my money is significant. Y'all going to act sanctified today. Okay. All right. This man had to wonder what was life like outside the gates, watching the dead be brought in on a daily basis. He must have been frustrated, experiencing all this inward pain, and nobody really was coming to see about him. He had no foreseeable outlet. He had nobody to talk to. He was just left in chains in the cemetery. Do you see him there? Living among the dead, existing, existing in perpetual reality. He had been confined to this one place and had lived there without complaint. And I could sit around and talk to you about the rest of the story. But I can go ahead and tell you that it had a better ending. What started out as a possession moved into a progression. Demons were thrown into the sea. Jesus ruptured up their economy. He took their pigs and gave the same demons that was inside this man and threw them inside the sea. And so he said, so, so the people were angry and they got rid of Jesus. They said, you know, it's time for you to go, bro. You're messing up my money. And y'all do know when you mess with my money, it's about to go down. So, so, so Jesus is, he's, he's almost excommunicated, Lawrence. He's put out. And that seems that would be the end of the story, Terry. But it's not simply a story of exorcism. It's not simply a story of a man getting demons put out of him. But it's really a story about you. Did you hear me? It's a story about you. Because a piece of each and every one of you is inside of that man. Yeah. Yeah. That man represents a piece of you. Because portions of you were told, people, some people told you that you weren't going to be nothing. Some people told you that what you was doing wasn't good enough. Some people said because you had been hooked on drugs that you would never be able to come back. Some people counted you out. Some people left you over into the cemetery. Doctors gave you a bad report. Angel doctors said that it wasn't going to be okay. And they said, you know what, let's start prepping for your funeral. But the good news is this man survives to tell a story. This man leaves the tombs and begins, he gets a commission to preach. 
Go tell them what I've done for you. Go tell them how I brought you out. Go, 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 go tell somebody how I made a way out of no way for you. Go tell them that I've, I did this and this was no secret. I want you to let the people know. And that's really what the heart of this message is. And I know we're going into Christmas. I know many of you are, 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 are still stuffing, what is it, stuffing stockings and y'all purchasing the last few items for Christmas and Santa Claus is coming to town. I understand all of that. But understand, even in this man, it's something for you. You got to tell somebody about Jesus. That's it. You got to tell somebody about Jesus. No matter how bad life has been to you, no matter what you've had to go through to get to where you are now, your charge is to tell somebody about Jesus. <laughs> I know that's hard to hear because you say, well, how, what do I say? What do I say? Well, what did he do for you? What have you had to experience? No, 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 no. I ain't been where my grandma has. I, don't, I haven't experienced what Terry and Lynette have experienced, but I do got my own story. And that don't mean I got to give you some long, drawn-out testimony. Well, in 1983, I was started, and um, I've been with Jesus the whole time. I, I, never, I never drank Patron. I, I, you know, I walked the upright. I've done it how I'm supposed to do it. I've, y'all know how we do. Come on now, keep it real. Y'all, y'all. Y'all sit around, and then y'all, and then y'all start saying y'all evoke Jesus's name in the wrong time. But what 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 needs to happen is, give Jesus the front page of your. I'm gonna go ahead and take this off. Give Jesus the front page of your story. Quit putting Jesus in the back. Jesus, you gotta tell what He's done for you. I didn't want to come in here and hoop and holler. I just wanted y'all to have that message. Tell what He's done for you. Amen.